This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Welcome to the Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Adam O'Connell. And I don't want a lot for Christmas. I'm not going to do the whole Aww. thing, but it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Actually, Christmas. it was Christmas last week. Technically, I think our Slenderman episode came out the first week of December, um, but it's still Christmas. It's still Christmas. <laughs> We're not going to. We can't. We can't just do Chris, Christine Sudeiko. No. All, all episode. No. But um, Merry, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy, happy continued Christmas. Christmas. Uh our trees up in my home. Uh, I trees, I should say. Oh my god! How many trees do you have? Uh, we have two and a half. Don't. That's not a thing. No, how we, many have, trees we do you have, have. We have. We have two big ones and then one little one. Okay, we're we live in a little like five hundred square foot apartment. We're gonna get a little tiny one. Yay! You know my my family goes hard for Christmas because um they don't ever get new decorations. They just collect more and more as the years oh, go on. Oh, of course. So um our house is insane. Um, I just finally did the adult thing of when I was down in Mississippi last year, I guess. I got a box of my ornaments. Yay, that I, that's the best. Which, which, to be clear, are like, I have like an Avatar one, a oh. Spider-Man one. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. <laughs> They're not cohesive at all. You know, we don't have any of those like ball, like we have ball ornaments, but all of our ornaments have our characters or figures oh, yeah. or something like we don't have just regular plain like ball ornaments yeah when i have room for two trees there will be a two tree setup that i think ezra will hate okay but it will be an uh an ugly campy like fun ornaments tree yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah the presents go and then there will be like a foyer tree which is all white lights right or my my sister-in-law and I were talking about this. How do you feel on the colored versus white Christmas tree light? I think debate? that it, it depends on, A, the ornaments. Like, I think a mm -hmm. tree that's filled with those kind of, like, campy ornaments is fine to have colored lights. However, yeah. if you have the thing where, like, you get the bulk pack of ornaments and then, like, all the all your ornaments are red and green or blue and white or whatever, then yeah. you have to have white lights. Yeah, that's about where I was. And I was also very, I'm pro-colored lights if they are interesting or if they lean into the camp. So I hate the what we had as a kid. We always had, uh, <laughs> but this is a call-out post okay. for Mike and Mindy. We always had like the trees that were teardrop shaped. So they were like kind of shorter, but fatter. Okay. Which I understand how those are charming to a uh, late 90s, uh, <laughs> you know, nice, uh, tight-knit family. Yeah. But we had the net lights that were colored and then we okay. put like an angel on top oh, but right, it was this, right, right. like which was all fine but those net lights are awful and i hate mm -hmm. them and putting them on top of this like short fat tree just not a good look and to me like there's a way to camp up the right family christmas tree you get colored lights but they're the like round frosted colored oh bulbs. yeah 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 and then you like wrap it around and you get a slightly skinnier tree and then you load it up with those weird like Fabergé egg ornaments yeah. or whatever the hell. Anyway, this has been tr uh, tree talking talk. sub podcast pod podcast. Oh, oh, I would love to have like recorded. a I, I was going to say I would love to have like a horror movie tree, like all red lights and then all Ooh. like horror ornaments. 
Horror like a, like a, oh no never mind no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> bad cut 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 uh, <laughs> I think that would be really good I was about to say like ooh like a red like a bloody tree but that's how that's how uh, noted Christmas hater and enemy of the podcast Ivanka Trump uh, decorated the White House yeah so we don't oh I thought that, that was anymore. Melania who decorated it with those scary red trees oh it was Melania I get um, them confused so so does the the soon to be former president just to be clear yeah um so. We are going to cover a couple of holiday topics this month. Uh, we wanted to kick it off nice and early to make room for all of those holiday yeah. lords and ladies. Um, however, I wanted to do an episode covering Krampus originally, uh, as he's kind of the poster boy for I, Christmas traditions. I understand you're trying to do a trying to do a, a faithful pronunciation of Krampus, but what you just described Krampus. is like is yes, Adam. We're both Lower New York people. <laughs> We know from voice class that our definitive vowel sound is ah. We know we know this, but Krampus said correctly by our accent is Krampus, which sounds like you're like crumping. Okay, wait, 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 like if you want to be like really fancy faceful about it, it would be like Krampus. Krampus, <laughs> Krampus, as he is the kind of poster boy for um, Christmas traditions that we in the United States might find like a little different and a little scary. Yeah. But in my research, I found that there are so many other winter holiday creatures and monsters from all over the world that Americans would probably find scary since we do not involve monsters in our Christmas holiday. Which honestly, we should get to change in that. Yeah. Um, and it's OK. It's because despite Christmas's pagan roots, uh, which we may talk about in an episode wait, can I pause later the, Wait, month? can I pause the podcast? What yeah. American cryptid would you give Christmas to? Oh, I, my first instinct was Mothman. That was my first instinct. So it might be Mothman. Yeah. Mothman, you want Christmas? Yeah, Mothman, you could have Christmas. So despite the pagan roots of Christmas, which we may talk about in an episode later this month, the United States Christmas has morphed into a very like hallmark and commercial holiday, depending on what part of the country you're in, which is fine. Honestly, that's one of the things I really enjoy about Christmas. Yeah. I I love that it's corny. I love that it's very vanilla. Like, I'm good with that. Yeah, Um, the corny and the... the passionate kitsch of it is yeah, good. Totally good with that. But in other places around the world, the holiday season still has very strong connections to folklore. And some of it is pretty scary, often deliberately so, in order to scare naughty children into behaving so that St. Nicholas or Santa or whatever the gift giving figure of that culture Jesus is himself. will bring them presents. Um, and, you know, like we do that in America, too. We say, oh, if uh, if you're bad, you'll get coal in your stocking. But it goes yeah, which, way further in other places. And it also doesn't make any sense in the American because Santa's a nice dude. He would not put coal in people's stockings. Yeah, it doesn't make great. any sense. Yeah. I mean, Lucas, if you're bad, you'll get you'll get coal in your stocking. Santa knows. But like. I think Santa's a pretty chill dude. I don't think he would do that. Yeah, but and what unites a lot of these is the great tradition of scaring children into behaving. Yeah, which which honestly better than the other thing, the the other long tradition of keeping children in line, which usually involved hitting them. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that which, one's bad. Honestly, a lot of these are also like they get involved, but um and like this is like it's just different than america and it's, it makes sense that americans would find these scary um and often in the places where they're from they're also treated as scary and that's what i tried to focus on too the ones that not the ones that americans would go like "Ooh, that's weird but like the ones that are oh, yeah. deliberately supposed to be frightening yeah this is a good this is a good time to be like yeah we're a horror podcast talking about non-american 
cultures mm -hmm. in sort of a horror context, but we're not really talking about them in a horror. This show is more than just horror. It's also like like creepy fiction and yeah. folklore. And these things that we're talking about are deliberately meant to be frightening. Right. Which is not something not that's incorporated like into American Christmas. Horror. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with um, Krampus and the kind of Alpine tradition. So this is coming from like the Austria, Germany, Bavaria kind of area. Um, and starting with Krampus, he's the one that I think a lot of Americans are most familiar with. If it's because of the movie or just general like listicles of like top 10 weird Christmas traditions from around the world. Oh, yeah. Um, so Krampus is Central European. He's probably most widely celebrated in Austria and Germany. But the folklore is also popular in Croatia, Hungary and North Hungary and Northern Italy. Um, so he is a horned half goat half man and a companion of St. Nicholas. And uh, although his origins are unclear, he's believed to have probably originated in pre-Christian Alpine mythology and to Christmas's pagan roots, possibly. Um, by the 17th century, Krampus had been integrated into Christian winter celebrations as a companion of St. Nicholas. Like, cause, because okay, in a lot of other places, especially in Europe, Santa is literally the Christian saint, St. Nicholas. Um, that's not really right. an American thing. Um, the fact that then Krampus becomes this companion, despite having zero appearances in the Bible, is really exciting. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I think, uh, as we'll talk about in a in a hot sec, like the the link to like Krampus that I have is from a game called Binding of Isaac, which is all like biblical stuff. But he's considered like a form of the devil, mm -hmm. which I think is a misconception that a lot of Americans would have. Yeah, because he is a horned half goat. Yeah. Like that's pretty satanic to a lot of us, but he's just a, he's a friend. Yeah, he works with like he's on the same side as St. Nicholas. Um, but so he's generally depicted as tall, hulking and hairy with that. And sexy, <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah. He's got hooved feet, goat horns, fangs and a long forked tongue. Uh, he carries That's redundant. I already said he was sexy. You don't need to. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> He he carries around chains uh, symbolizing binding the devil. Uh, sometimes accompanied, yeah. sometimes accompanied by bells, and he'll thrash these belled chains for dramatic effect. He also carries around the rutin, which is a more pagan tradition, uh, bundles of birch branches that he uses to swat at children who have been naughty. He's the bad cop. Yeah, he is Saint the bad Nick cop. Is the good cop. Yeah, that's so good. Sometimes he appears with a sack or a basket on his back, which he uses to cart off naughty children for drowning, oh eating or transporting to hell. Oh, OK. So he does. He probably has like a working relationship with Satan in the same way that God probably does. Yeah. He's like, hey, I got some children for you. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Like, you know how, like I said, and if you're bad in America, Santa puts coal in your stocking. In Austria, if you're naughty, Krampus kidnaps you and takes you to hell and possibly hits you with some birch branches. <laughs> On the way, which is really just insult to injury, kind yeah. of salt in the wound. This is uh, this is uh, Devin's uh, silly silly religion headcanon corner. Okay, uh, but I I firmly believe that uh, while Satan is like a like a bad dude or whatever, he, he he does have a working relationship with God. So he like he like sees Krampus coming down the way, and he's like, "Hey, another another set of children, huh? Okay, he like picks them up." <laughs> um. The Feast of St. Nicholas is celebrated on December 6th in Central Europe, but the night before is better known as Krampusnacht or Krampus Night, where uh, it's men... It's like mischief night. Yeah, pretty much. Almost exactly, because men get drunk, 
dress up as Krampus and then parade around town, frightening children and hitting delinquents with sticks. Oh, my God. This guy, that kind of uh, we, we probably talk about it later mm-hmm. or we may talk about it in the net, the other Christmas episode. But that may link to the pagan original like Christmas tradition of like making the king of misfits and putting mm-hmm. him up and like letting him rule the town like it was the day when the king and the and the lowest fool were swapped. Right. Like that's such a that's so good. It's like the first thing that came to mind is that it's Austrian SantaCon, but but more It is but, kind but of Austrian traditional. SantaCon, but cooler. I would totally yeah, take this better. over SantaCon. Hey yeah, please give us Krampus knock. Everybody take this moment to I should have included SantaCon in this outline. But um <laughs> Everybody take a moment to acknowledge and appreciate the fact that there's going to be no SantaCon this year. Uh, especially us New Yorkers. Oh, yeah. my God. God, I hate SantaCon. Um, so the introduction of Krampus to the United States really started with Krampus Karten. Uh, so the greeting card industry, especially around Christmas time, totally boomed in the late 19th century. So fun fact, you know the song uh, uh, um, Sleigh Ride? When they have the lyric, uh-huh. it's like, it'll be just like a picture print from Courier and Courier Ives. And Ives um, yeah. So Courier and Ives is a greeting card company who created the first Christmas card ah. in uh, the late 19th century in the United Kingdom. And the person who made Courier and Ives was named Krampus. <laughs> and he immigrated from uh, from Austria to the UK and then made his way to America. He came through Ellis Island and they, they thought that Krampus was a bit uh, un-American. So they actually changed it to Jones. And, and he... <laughs> He moved like a lot of transalpine uh, American immigrants. They moved and he uh, made his way in Wisconsin uh, to become a state senator. And he was actually the vote that decided to not make German the national language of the of the country. Jesus. Okay. Now, the timeline might be a little bit messed up. That yeah. was like in 1858, but still. Um, but so uh, the green card industry boomed in the late 19th century after Courier Knives kind of introduced the idea of the Christmas card. It boomed and American in German culture started its slow decline yeah, into it, destruction. It totally boomed in Austria and Germany, too. And uh, most of them depicted like St. Nicholas or just well wishes for your family for Christmas. However, Krampuskarten were, were yes. greeting cards of Krampus marked with Gruß vom Krampus, which means greetings from Krampus, uh, which would depict uh, Krampus kidnapping uh, children or hitting them with birch sticks. Yes, you have like <laughs> your grandfather and you're like, I know one of my kids is naughty. And you send them all Christmas cards and everybody's like, oh, St. Nick, St. Nick, St. Nick. And then the last kid opens it up and he goes, I got a Krampus card from Pop Pop. <laughs> yeah. And I regret to inform everyone that there were also during this era sexy takes on Krampus Garten. Um A lot of regret the time. Regret to inform us. <laughs> a lot. This should have been the opener. A lot of the times. There was one that I looked at that it was a woman who had like, uh, she, she had like hogtied Krampus and she had his <gasps> chains. Hell yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, but so in 2004, graphic designer uh, Monte uh, Beauchamp published a book of Krampus cards in the United States, uh, which introduced major American pop culture to Krampus for the first time. Uh, it became very popular. He hosted this like big art show that showcased all these Krampus, Krampus cards. Um, for him. Yeah. Um, and he had, I think, his most notable American appearance in 2015's Krampus, uh, written and directed by Michael Duarte, who is the same guy who did Trick or Treat, which is my favorite Halloween movie, um, which I highly recommend, recommend this movie if you haven't seen it. It's oh, okay. very funny. Ton- you should watch re- that on Patreon this week. Oh, totally. It's a Christmas movie. It's a Halloween movie. It's a ton of fun. Um, 
and it's got great creatures and i really like and adam scott is in it uh a lot of comedy people adam scott and who's that guy he's in um he's an anchorman he's the bald one that's in all the will ferrell movies oh um, he was in final destination five not ed helms no that's the other daily show guy he was in final destination uh, five oh i know who you're talking about we all know who you're talking about that man is in it as well that man Um, is in it uh, so another kind of uh, German, Austrian, Swiss, Alpine uh, Christmas creature is Frau Perchta. Now, um, Rob Corddry. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Frau Perchta, who comes along after the Christmas season on January 6th. So another fun fact, when we sing about the 12 days of Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas are January, January, December 25th to January 6th or December 24th yeah, to January 6th. Those are the 12 days of Christmas. Right. And it's it's actually there's a link really really weirdly to uh because what what does the 12 days originally what culture is that from i have no idea um it's european there's also the seven days of like the rebirth of the world that comes from egyptian mythology which Mm -hmm. also happens on christmas to like the new year yeah so fun fact that's why frau perchta comes after christmas on january 6th um so she's this old woman dressed in rags believed to be a witch or uh, a goddess who watches over your spinning and weaving as well as the state oh, of your thank home you. now she's she's kind of described she's got this like an iron face with this big long nose and if you haven't yeah. finished all of your weaving by january 6th she's known to trample or set fire to the half spun fabrics that's not gonna help me finish it yeah, you're weave, but you're weaving you have until january 6th to finish your weaving um however if she finds that both your weaving is not done and your home is also a mess uh, or you fail to leave out the traditional bowl of porridge for her, she disembowels you and replaces your intestines with rocks and straw. Okay, Mrs. Perkta, I listen, I understand, you know, uh, this town really tries to care for uh, for all of its residents, but I, I have to insist that your list of demands <laughs> cannot include all of this and also a bowl of porridge. Like, I, you know, the times are hard for everyone, uh, uh, Mrs. Perkta and and it's really hard for people to get their weaving done. I know, I know, like January sixth is like your hard deadline. But at, if you're asking us to finish our weaving by January sixth, what it like? When am I going to have time to make you porridge? Like that's my issue there <laughs> with the weaving like, and the house. If, if one person could be on porridge duty <laughs> and then the rest of us could do the weaving, I think that would just help all of us. Yeah, but you can tell your children this year that if they don't clean up their Christmas presents by January 6th, Frau Perstra will come and replace their guts with garbage. Yeah, it'll be a lie because she only cares if you finished your weaving. But what you can do is you can purposefully forget your weaving and leave it out. And then when Frau Perkta comes, say that your child was in charge of the weaving. <laughs> um, and the other one, uh, there's a couple of other. Uh, Germany and Austria, Christmas is really a fear-based holiday. Um, and there's powerful another one last one I want to talk about from this area. And that is Hans Trapp. Uh, Hans Trapp is another companion of St. Nicholas coming from the German French border of Alsace Lorraine. Um, so he's celebrated, celebrated. He's feared in both German, Germany and France. Um, mm-hmm. Also meant to punish naughty children. Now, the ratio of present givers to punishment givers seems off in Central Europe because we've got St. Nicholas giving presents. We got. Yeah. Krampus, Frau Perchta, and Hans Trapp all dealing out punishments. And well, Belsnickel, I mean, who I didn't even include in this outline. I mean, that's kind of fair, though, because, like, Santa is magic and, like, gets around the whole world in a night. You can't expect the, like, bad side of that to get around 
equally as fast, you know? Okay. Like they need three people to kind of cover the bases. Got it. And I think like there are going to be some years when you get hit by Hans Trapp and Frau Perkta both. And that's like not supposed to happen. It's it's like a, you know, it's an administrative error. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's going to happen sometimes. So according to legend, Hans Trapp lived in 15th century Alsace. Uh, he was rich, cold and cruel. Only wanting to enrich himself, it was rumored that he worshipped Satan and used black magic to keep his wealth and power. He was excommunicated from the church in Rome, and when he returned to Alsace, he was hated even more. He was exiled and constructed a shack of twigs on the mountain of, uh, I think, Giesberg. Uh, And then the big bad wolf came, (laughs) and he huffed and he puffed. He descended into madness in isolation on this mountain and began to crave human flesh. He would disguise himself as a scarecrow in order to sneak up on children traveling through the mountains and eat them. Now, every Christmas, he comes back to towns below the mountain and eats naughty children. So the tradition is that uh, sometimes people will dress up as Hans Trapp and then they will go from house to house and just kind of stare at the children. And okay, first off, bad. Don't do that. (laughs) You can't, sir. Sir, I already talked to Frau Frau Perkta. I really can't have you. Uh, we're all covered here. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, I'm pretty anti-Batman, but it seems like a Batman in this situation is okay. what you need. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A German bat. Oh, OK. I got it. I got you. So, yeah, that's a couple of the highlights from the Alpine tradition. Uh, I'm big, big fan of Krampus and Frau Perchte. Also a fan of Hans Trapp, but less so. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Hans Trapp. I love Krampus. I do love Krampus. I love Krampus. Um, now we shall take a brief respite from Bavaria uh, to talk okay. about one of my favorite ones, uh, the Marilud. So uh, Marilud is a Welsh tradition originating sometime oh, hell yeah. in the 18th and 19th century. And it's very similar to the Lair Vaughn tradition we talked about in the History of Halloween episode um, in that you are going from house to house with a horse skull begging for food. But there is something very different about the Marilud. So the Marilud itself is a horse's skull on a pole uh, decorated with bells and ribbons with a white sheet attached to conceal the group that is controlling it. Usually a group of like three or four men who dress in bright clothes and ribbons or they dress as stock characters like Punch and Judy. Now, Punch and Judy, they are these stock puppets. And if you've ever seen the Santa Claus, you know how he has those weird puppets in his room that like interact with people in the scenes. Oh, we're going to talk about that's Punch and Judy. I love and, that And movie. also, like, this is, uh, uh, not only does this have a link to your friend and mine, the man in the fields, but mm-hmm. uh, the horse skull on a pole was also, like, satirized by uh, Elizabethan fools. Like, they would have the little puppet with the skull, mm-hmm. and they would, like, bring him around. This, I like, I love the visual of this. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's the a visual good visual. visual is great. Um, so, the way that Marilude works is that during the Christmas season, Marilude parties go from door to door in towns and request entry for food and ale by singing a song. The people in the house must sing back a reason why Marilude can't come in. Then they sing reasons back and forth to each other, and if the homeowners run out of reasons, Marilude gets to come inside for snacks. Yes! This is an improv game! Yeah. You essentially- You beg your pardon, we are in your garden. (laughs) You show up with a horse skull and rap battle strangers. And if you win, you get to raid their pantry and drink their beer. Hell yeah. This was just like, this was an improv troupe of dudes in, in like Gwynedd in, in 850. And they were out of, they, nobody would hire them for Christmas. And they were like, I know. What's Let's better than this? Goof. Just guys being dudes. Just guys being dudes. It's, 
I feel like the people in the village were like, they knew that it wasn't Mary Lou. It was just the the improv troupe that, yeah. that sulks around the town. And they were like, okay, sure. Like, they're like, fine, I guess. I I love this so very much. Um, the fun fact, creepy fact, the horse skull is often left buried for the rest of the year and only dug up around Christmas. Ugh, you always <laughs> hate if you forget where you buried the horse skull, yeah. you know? It's November 28th, and you're like, we gotta get that skull. Yeah. Where'd I, you put it? Gosh, diddly darn. I really love the Marlude. Um, uh, there's also, if you go on YouTube, there's um, a lot of great videos of um, Marlude parties. Uh, people rap battling oh, strangers good. in their neighborhood. Some Hell cool yeah. Documentaries about it, so check it out. They're great. Um, and a, a slightly similar tradition uh, to this comes from Japan, uh, the, the Namahage. Uh, so the Namahage are traditional. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're traditional Japanese demons portrayed during the New Year's festivities by men in uh, frightening oni or ogre masks and mino, which are traditional straw capes. Uh, they are particularly popular around the Oga Peninsula area. Um, so the Namahage are armed with deba knives, uh, mostly wooden or paper mache fakes, which is like a Japanese fishing knife. Um, and they carry around wooden baskets and then march in pairs or groups of three uh, to go door to door and admonish naughty children. So they show oh, up at doors with these so freaky masks on and these knives and they ask, are there any crybabies around or any naughty kids around to scare children? Um, and then they are typically rewarded with mochi for their efforts. However, newlywed households, especially those without children, are expected to greet them in full formal dress and offer them food and sake in order to, like, bless their new home Ugh. so they can have kids and stuff. Again, this sounds Sign like a great up. gig. <laughs> yeah, I want to be an alahage. I, I really like, like, I think a lot of the time we talk about these kinds of traditions as, like, Oh, you're going in and you're scaring all the kids. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely an energy to this of like it's exciting. Yeah. And like you can imagine a kid like like a like a guy in an Oni mask coming in and being like, oh, are there any naughty children around? And there's like a little girl. And she's like, no. Yeah. Like, runs behind her dad's leg. Like, yeah. that's great. Yeah, it's fun. Like, and that's the thing, too. I think a lot of the times when these these traditions were first introduced in the olden days, they were generally scary. But now they've kind of they've become both fun and frightening. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, both uh, Namahage and Marlude sound like great gigs. You basically get to go around in a fun costume with your friends and then you get food at every house yeah, you go to. That seems great. And also like knowing that your buddy just got married and moved into like a nice house. And oh, you yeah. Go up and you're like, did you put on did you did you put on the full regalia? Yeah. Give us sake. Yeah. Um, so now I want to talk about. Um, and we've kind of taken a break for, we've gone to Bavaria, we've gone to Wales, we've gone to Japan. I would now like to go to Iceland and like, cause, um, Germany yes. and Austria, those areas have very strong, like creepy Christmas, uh, traditions, Christmas creatures. Iceland also kind of has this, uh, it's yes. very similar to the Alpine ones in the sense of monsters invading the town during Christmas time to scare children into behaving. And I'll start this with, um, Grilla. So Grilla is an enormous, repulsive-looking beggar woman who wanders podcast around the town. Podcast mom, podcast mom. Yeah, she wanders around the town begging parents to give their no give her their naughty children to eat. Um, she's able to detect naughty children year-round from her cave. She has like a spidey sense for naughty children, which I guess also Santa does. She also sees you yeah. when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. Um, during Christmas, she comes down from the mountain to search for children for her meal. 
hunts them down and carries them around in a large sack before bringing them to her home to cook into a stew, which is her favorite. Kind of a Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, her thing. favorite means of cooking children. Uh, she's that makes sense because like kids have so much fat in them and you mm-hmm. want to be able to render that out. Like you wouldn't want to like pan fry a kid. <laughs> she is currently married to her third husband. Uh, Lepaludi, who is lazy and mostly stays in his cave. Now, we don't know who Ugh. her first two husbands were or what happened to them. We just know she possibly yeah, had kids with them. Um, oh, okay. So uh, she and Lepaludi live in uh, this cave with the uh, Yulakaturin, the Yule cat, and uh, their sons, the Yule lads. So f- the Yule lads! Well, first, hey. I wa- first, briefly, I want to talk about Yulakaturin. Yulakaturin, okay. the Yule cat, is a huge vicious black cat and pet of Grilla and her family. Uh, the Yule cat wanders the snowy mountains and eats anyone who hasn't received new clothes to wear by New Year's by Christmas Eve. Okay, that's wow. <laughs> okay, so the threat of Yola Katurin, the, the anti-poor cat. The threat the of this was used by farmers as incentive for workers to finish processing the autumn wool by Christmas. Those who finished were rewarded with new clothes, but those okay. who did not receive nothing and thus were prey to the Yule cat. Never mind. This is good. This is kind of a co-op. This is how you keep you keep order in your co-op, your commune. Yeah. So you seem really excited about the Yule Lads. Devin, so let's talk hey, about hey, this. Yule Lads. <laughs> the Yule Lads boys. are Grilla and Lepaludi's 13 sons, uh, mischievous pranksters who steal and uh, from and harass the population. Although they are also known if you leave your shoes out and you're good, they'll leave like candy or little trinkets and gifts in your shoes. Um, but if you're bad, they leave, I think, coal. Um, yeah. Or well, or no, they leave a rotten potato. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They do leave a potato. Yeah. Um, their names convey their favorite method of pranking, and uh, yes. I will describe them to you as follows. Um, I actually don't know how to pronounce any of these. I'm going to give you the English translation for their names. Um, yeah. I'm going to name the ones I know first. Okay, go ahead. Sausage swiper, door yes. sniffer, uh, meat hook. Yes. Who's my favorite? Candle stealer. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, no, I think that's it. Okay. So I'll start from, uh, so they arrive in order. So this is the order of their oh, arrival. Good. Okay. So uh, on December 12th, from December 12th to December 24th, um, which are also described as the 12 days of Christmas. 12 days of Christmas, yeah. Um, depending on where you are. So the first one that arrives is Sheepcoat Claude. He arrives on um, uh, December 12th. Uh, he harasses sheep, but he is impaired by his stiff peg legs. So how much damage could he really do? Yeah, I yeah, that doesn't seem too bad. And then also he, harassing sheep. What does that mean? You just like push them around. I guess he leaves on December twenty fifth, so he's gone at Christmas. Um, now the second one to arrive on the thirteenth is Gully Gawk. Uh, he hides in gullies, uh-huh. which are like land. Like you know when you go hiking and there's a like weird eroded part of the side yeah, of the hill. Yeah, it's a gully. Um, Fern gully. He hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Mmm, milk stealer. Ha ha ha, I take your milk. I take um, your milk. And he leaves on December 26th. Uh, then we have Stubby, who is, oh. he was abnormally short. Uh, he steals pans to eat the crust that is left on them. Disgusting. Um, oh, wait, okay, you said pans. I thought you said pants. No, pans. <laughs> like, it's basically you're licking the brownie batter from the... the. Okay, that makes sense to me. My thing about these names is that a lot of them are named for like the things they do right yes that is what they are named for but like gully gook he's there to to steal stuff 
Well, gully gawk because he gawks from the gullies. Ah, okay. And I mean, pan. He should be pan liquor, not stubby. <laughs> not stubby. Stubby just seems a bit demeaning. Um. Well, the next one. Uh, so uh, stubby arrives. What if they named the f- Hephaestus. Uh, Hephaestus. They just named him like ugly face. Like yeah, ugly ugly face bad leg. <laughs> You'd feel kind of bad. Um. So stubby uh, arrives on the fourteenth and leaves on the twenty seventh. Um. The next one to arrive is Spoon Licker, who steals Us. and licks wooden spoons. But he's extremely thin because licking wooden spoons is all he eats. So he's a little, he's malnutritioned. Um, that's, that's how that's how my parents would get me to stop licking a spoon. They're like, you can't just lick the spoon. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna grow big and strong. <laughs> so he arrives on December fifteenth and leaves on the twenty eighth. Uh, pots. Okay, great. so these are more like a twenty four days of Christmas if each of them are staying for twelve days. That's fair. Yeah. Um, pot scraper steals leftovers from pots. Okay, kind of a, uh, uh, kind of, uh, what is, what's the word? Uh, symb, uh, symbiotic with pan liquor? Okay, yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, he arrives on the 16th, leaves on the 29th. Next is bowl liquor, uh, hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their, uh, asker, which is a type of bowl with a lid that you use instead of dishes, and then he steals okay. them. Okay. Well, don't. Okay. Um, he, arri- he arrives on the 17th, leaves on the 30th. Uh, next is door slammer. He likes to uh, slam door- doors, especially during the night to wake people up. Uh, arrives on the no, 18th. That's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. Because like if I have my girlfriend or boyfriend over, I have to keep the door open so that my parents can, you know, make sh- make sure we're not doing anything. And if door slammer is there, he's going to slam the door. Not only will that wake me and my and my girlfriend or boyfriend, but it will also get me in trouble with my parents yeah. if they see that my door's closed. <laughs> um, so uh, door slammer arrives on the 18th, leaves on the 31st. Uh, next is skier gobbler, uh, a Yule lab with great affinity for skier, which is a uh, food kind of similar to yogurt. Okay. So Yo- yogurt, yogurt enjoyer yeah that could be my name <laughs> um so skier gobbler uh, arrives on the 19th and leaves on january 1st um next is sausage swiper he yes. hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked i love how he's in the rafters yeah um, <laughs> he comes down mission impossible style and he swipes dan, 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 dan. he arrives on the 20th and leaves on january 2nd uh next is window peeper uh, a snoop who looks through uh, windows in search of things to steal. Again, not not a na- like <laughs> not a prank, just larceny, and he should be called thing stealer. Um, he arrives on the twenty first and leaves on January third. Uh, next is doorway sniffer. <laughs> he has Hell an yeah. abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uh, uses to locate leaf bread. Uh, which is a traditional Icelandic bread that is eaten around Christmas time. He arrives on December 22nd and leaves on January 4th. Um, next is Meat Hook, who you're excited about. He just meat uses hook. a hook to steal meat. He arrives on December 23rd and leaves on January See, 5th. Maybe, maybe he works with Sausage Swiper. They both are on the... He, he's, he swipes the sausages and then Meat Hook hooks them out of the air. <laughs> like Scorpion. And then finally... Uh, we have Candle Stealer, who follows children in order to steal their candles, which uh, were made of tallow. and Yeah, really not as effective edible. nowadays. Um, but uh, he arrives on December 24th and leaves on January 6th, the last day of the yeah. Christmas season. He usually doesn't stay around that long because there aren't many candles, and it takes him a long time to unscrew the light bulbs nowadays. So 
They're also and he doesn't find them as delicious. There are also a couple of obscure Yule lads. Um, these are kind of like the thirteen main ones. Some stories <laughs> only Yule describe lads. nine. Uh, most of the Yule lads are in the groups of like those who steal food, those who play tricks, and those who just seem to be a delusion from nature. Um, okay, and um, there are also apparently one very obscure nursery rhyme mentions there being two female Yule pranksters who steal melted uh, fat by either stuffing it up their nose or putting it in socks. Okay, kind of a Yule Yule gals. Yeah, Yule ladies. Yule women. <laughs> Um, and, uh, most recently Grilla and the Yule lads who sound like they're playing Brooklyn this weekend. Um, (laughs) They're opening for a hundred guests. Grilla and the Yule lads, uh, appeared in a 20, the 2018 Christmas episode of the chilling adventures of Sabrina, where the Yule lads terrorize, uh, the house and Grilla attempts to claim a baby from Sabrina's aunt. I wanted to see the Salem versus... Yolakaturin. Yolakaturin, yeah. I hope that's involved in that episode. I don't watch that show, but I hope it is. I don't think Salem's in the new What? Show. Yeah. Wait. I don't think so. I thought in the new one he was like a wiz. No, he's always a wizard that got turned into a cat, right? He's not just yeah. a talking cat. A talking cat? <laughs> I don't think he... Maybe he is. Maybe I don't I'm know. Wrong. Anyway. I, I haven't watched the show. Me neither. Um, I didn't like their depiction of trans people, so I'm not going to watch uh-huh. it. Um, But yeah, so those are... um. Some of the Christmas creatures from all around the world. Devin, which one was your favorite that we talked about today? Uh, you know I'm crazy about these Yule lads. Okay, but yeah, yeah. I, I think I've come out of this episode with a real love for Krampus. Okay. I, I always enjoyed Krampus and his iconography, but I didn't know he was such a chill and cool dude. Yeah, that's fair. I knew he was sexy. I knew you were <laughs> waiting for that. I knew he was sexy. Yeah. I think as a person, like someone I would want to chill with, Krampus, definitely. But as somebody yeah. that I would want to be, totally the Marlude. Oh, yeah. I think I want to be a, a, one of the Namahage. Yeah. You get some mochi. I'm a, I'm a fan house. of sake. <laughs> I just love the idea of these men in these big ogre masks. And they scare the children. They hold out their little hand and the homeowner gives them one little thing of mochi. <laughs> one little mochi. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. I also like the phrase, are there any crybabies around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think these are really great. Um, and of course, there are other Christmas creatures from around the world. The Christmas spiders from Ukraine. Um, there's Belsnickel, who is also from the um, the French, German, Austrian area. Um, and yeah. other creatures that um, maybe should make some appearances in American Christmas sometime soon. Yeah, there's surfing Santa. <laughs> Santa comes surfing in in Hawaii. Uh, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I guess the closest, what's the closest thing we have to a Christmas monster in the United States? Uh, the Coca-Cola Corporation. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Or just elves in general. Yeah, you the could elf describe, on the shelf. You could just, oh, yeah, it is the elf on the shelf. Yeah. This teleporting slender man who is in yeah, your home. Yeah, and very, yeah, a, a weird, like, self-own of surveillance. Yeah. Of those, us living in a surveillance Those state. people who made the elf on the shelf, though, are geniuses, though. It's an empire Oh, now. yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, this has been <laughs> our first Christmas episode of The Great American Scream. If you enjoyed... Please leave a rate and review if you're listening on iTunes. If you're on Spotify, follow us. If you're on anything else, leave a rating or share it from your favorite podcasting service. But the best way to spread the word about the show is to tell a friend about it. So please do that. We also have a Patreon where you can get cool rewards like a video note, access to live streams, and access to uh, 
topic suggestions. In fact, we have certain tiers that you can just choose the episode title or rather barter with Adam to decide what the episode <laughs> title is. Adam, can you pimp our social medias? Yes, you can check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream or on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Um, if you... Uh, celebrate any of these um, creatures and monsters in your Christmas traditions. Let us know how you do it. Or if you know about other Christmas creatures um, that are part of your Christmas traditions, let us know about them too. You can tweet at us or ha- uh, post using the hashtag TGAS. And if there's another thing you want to hear about on the show, especially if it's uh, related to around the holiday season, um, you can let us know because your suggestion may become an episode in the future. Yeah, a special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo, who does the disclaimer at the beginning of the episode, as well as Stevie Viola, who does the intro and outro music. And a shout out goes to all of our patrons right now. Thank you to Eric, Casper, Bree, Gail, Joyce, Brucker, Melinda, and Chris. Woo. Thank you guys so much for your support. Yeah, I love I've you guys. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked. Go finish your weaving. Put it in, put that in your Apple calendar right now. And leave your shoes out so that the Yule ads don't give you stinky potato. Just be safe about because it. if you were to eat the potato, that you would not be eating that, safely. That would not be safe. <laughs>